0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد الله سبحانه وتعالى سيدنا القرآن أفلا يتدبرون القرآن؟ since the topic for today's discussion is the Quran and that's what we've been speaking about and how to bring it more into our lives and how to interact with the Quran, how to make it a reality in our lives, I just want to give a few simple pointers about how to approach the Quran. And the reason why I mention this is that the Quran is magnificent. The Quran and its content are timeless. They the divine word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is revealed to mankind and you can understand if it's the divine word of Allah which is timeless eternal and everlasting it's going to contain some really magnificent and great extraordinary themes some very profound ideas and sometimes a person just just does not know where to start doesn't know how to interpret how to uh, make sense Of the various different things, the style of the Quran is very unique. It's very different to any other composition, piece of writing, whether that be prose or poetry. It's totally unique. Uh, That's why you've had people who sometimes get confused when they read the Quran because they're expecting a certain style that is recognized or conventional. When they don't find that, uh, they get mixed up. So that's why recently uh, in Medina Munawwara, I met with a scholar and he suggested that. This is what people are. This is the dilemma that people are in that they just don't know sometimes where to start and they just feel it's too mighty uh, to, to, they don't, it's like a huge mountain. Where do we even start from to climb this and to immerse ourselves into? It's like what vast, mighty ocean. What's the best place to start with? Now, I would generally say that the best place to start with. You know, and I'm talking beyond just doing khatams of the Quran by reading them, right? Which is great, uh, but to really get the Quran in our lives more and have that private, personal interaction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala engage us individually, then you need to start approaching it from its meaning. So let's just say somebody takes a translation or a commentary, short or long then i would assume that most people would start from like suratul fatiha because that's something that everybody knows and generally suratul fatiha is quite a simple surah to understand because it only has really three major themes in there i mean of course it has many more themes if you really want to open it up but in terms of just the overarching themes the first part is praise of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of various uh, issues Then it goes into a declaration that only you do we worship and only you do we seek assistance from. And then it ends with a long dua of, oh Allah, guide us, guide us, alright, right? Provide provide us guidance. Then I think the next thing, generally, what people should do is take the last 10, 20, 15 surahs of the Quran that they would generally read in their salat and try to understand them. Then they can take uh, the main surahs of the Quran. Right, like Surah Yasin, and Surah Al Rahman, Surah Al Waqi'ah, uh, Sur- Surah Al Dukhan, Surah Al Kahf, and so on. And there are obviously books and lectures on each of these as well. However, for a person who's gonna then read the Quran and try to make some sense of it, this is the main point of today's discussion is that you can categorize the Quran into six major themes. So when you start reading the Quran from anywhere, if you know these themes, They will help you to categorize and compartmentalize and basically uh, allot each of the discussions that you see into one of these categories and the benefit of that is then you know what the purpose and the message of that because ultimately the Book of Allah is for the guidance of man, it's for the guidance of people, it's our manual of life, that's what it's all about. And it's not such a daunting task once you begin, to be honest, it's not such a daunting task. A lot of us think just because we're so used to tafsirs and so on, right, we're so used to listening to other people comment that we think we cannot interact with it directly. In fact, even in some quarters, it's almost like it may even be discouraged maybe, right, because saying that you may misunderstand something. Now, I think misunderstanding something generally would come from a, uh, a, a confused mind, uh, a person who's looking for radical views or uh, t- to looking for deviance, as Allah says uh, himself in the Quran, في قلوبهم فيتبعون ما تشابه من ابتغاء الفتنة وابتغاء Now you don't really need to know the translation of the Quran. There's enough people doing that who absolutely not, not, don't know a single word of Arabic, right? Uh, they they do that through translations and through other sources anyway. And anybody who approaches the Quran will be humbled. Generally people with Iman who uh, approach the Quran are generally humbled and they understand what a mighty, what a mighty piece of writing that they're dealing with. Right. It's not just a piece of writing. It's only reduced to writing for our, for, for, for to be able to be accessible to us. Otherwise it's the divine word of Allah, which is basically beyond letters and sounds and, and so on and so forth. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this in the special Arabic composition for us to understand and benefit from its beauty. So, the six themes of the Qur'an, right? Very simply, as you start reading, one of the first themes that you're going to encounter, one of the very important themes and main themes, and they're all important, but this one is, you can say at the foundation of it, it's basically Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, aqidah issues, issues related to belief, making sense of the world, making sense of our Creator and ourselves, our relationship to Him. And basically what is required from us what who is Allah and you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's interaction with this world his creation his assistance his mercy you will see his uh, benevolence his clemency you'll see his forbearance you'll see his gratitude you'll see how he gifts people how he bestows huge favors upon people you'll also see how he destroys people you'll understand his wrath You'll understand his might, his grandeur, his greatness, his majesty, his beauty, his compassion, his munificence. You'll see all of these things, his benevolence and his generosity, you'll see all of this in action. And then if for the people who love Allah, for the people who are believers, and we are all believers, we all consider ourselves to be mu'min, we have iman, one of the greatest ways to understand who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is for us, right, in order to reach a status which is mentioned in the Quran that believers should have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says amanu ashaddu hubban lillah those people who believe the people who believe they are most ardent in their love for Allah they're most ardent in their love for Allah if we find that we're lacking in that regard unfortunately which many of us you know f- would feel that we're lacking because we seem to love other things more that's why we give preference to other things when it comes to the crunch of whether we should do something else or uh, pray or pray in a certain way or uh, learn something so one of the r- main reasons for why we don't love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as we ought to is because we don't really recognize him there's no doubt that anything of beauty the more you learn about that the love will increase because that's what love is love is an inclination towards beauty and beauty means perfection and symmetry right and If there is something that has beauty and the more you find out about it the more you'll become inclined to it just like you want to buy a new car and somebody says that's a good car the more virtues you hear the more praises you hear the more features you hear about it or a phone or something else the more you become inclined towards it until it becomes exclusively that's what you want and everything else dims and diminishes in your sight now the reason that doesn't happen because we're not exploring And looking for Allah and who he is we're not trying to find out more we just have the bit of information that we've grown up with and maybe developed over time or heard a few stories here and there read a few books here and there uh, or uh, you know when we were young for example that's our understanding of Allah so reading the Quran is probably one of the most effective ways of understanding Allah through his own words in his own words so إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلِيمٌ غَفُورٌ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ غَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ رَحِيمٌ وَدُودٌ غَفَّارٌ غَافِلِ الذَّنبِ قَابِلِ الطَّوْبِ شَدِيدِ الْعِقَابِ ذِي الطَّوْلِ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ You will start understanding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the way He wants to describe Himself, the way He wants to explain His interaction, the way, the way He wants to demonstrate His work in this world. The divine order you will understand from there the divine order Allah's system and the divine order in the universe in societies in history among people how he rewards how he punishes how he encourages what he discourages all of these things are mentioned and that's the first theme in the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the second theme in the Quran then has to be none other than the Prophet and that part is amazing as well, and what that shows you is that obviously that includes Allah, because it's Allah who's praising the Prophet sallallahu It's Allah who's mentioning various different incidents, interactions with the Prophet sallallahu For example, Allah subhanahu wa taala is reassuring him. Allah subhanahu wa taala sometimes admonishes him. For example, uh, in in one place, Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "لعلك باخِعُ Showing the great ardent desire that the Prophet had for people, the concern he had, the worry that he had, the focus he had for them to become to be saved basically. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at him and expresses his mercy for him with these beautiful words saying, Maybe you're gonna destroy yourself, you're gonna consume yourself because of the fact that they don't believe he tells him to he tells him to, uh, to to be satisfied he tells him that you will not be abandoned he expresses his love to him he hardly ever addresses him except in a you know very seldom does he address him even with the word muhammad he has numerous other characteristics sallallahu alaihi wasallam ya ayyuhal muzzamil, ya ayyuhal muddathir bil mu'minina Raufun Rahim says that uh, the Prophet ﷺ, with the believers, was extremely compassionate and he was merciful to them. It gives all of these Taha Yaseen. There's numerous words, numerous words used to speak about the Prophet ﷺ. For example, there's a number of places where he even admonishes him. For example, when after the Battle of Badr, when you had numerous captives. From the Quraysh that had been captured and taken into uh, imprisoned now what to do with them this was one of the first major battles as such what to do with these prisoners of war so the prophet ﷺ asked for the prophet ﷺ, he asked for views about this abu bakar said take a ransom let them go uh the umar said they should be comp- they should be finished this 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 is what they used to do with the prisoners of war anyway right and that that will send a message now, the Prophet being his very compassionate self, he said, okay, we'll go with that view, the compassionate view uh, in this context, he thought, was uh, to just let them go, make, it, make him pay a ransom and so on. And that's not what Allah subhanahu had wanted. But this shows the human interaction, the human aspect of the Prophet He's divinely guided, but he's allowed to make these uh, kind of alternate decisions first. Then Allah tells him, no, that's not the right thing to, this was the better thing to do. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in um, in uh, 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 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, عَذَابٌ عَذَابٌ had it not been for a decree that had already passed, like something written, that this ummah will continue, this is just to show how the decision should have been the other one and how this was not the decision Allah wanted. And he said that had it not been for that, that this deen should continue and the mission should continue, the punishment would have, w- would have overcome you. And according to one, some of the tradition, he mentions that the punishment had come to the trees very close by. But then in numerous places, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says things like that to him, Allah says, ankh. Allah has forgiven you. So you learn about this relationship between the Prophet ﷺ and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his immense love for him. In another place Allah says, That had we not strengthened you and made you firm, then maybe you could have inclined towards them even slightly. Out of obviously love for the deen, because they, they used to come, the Quraysh, and say, uh, We'll believe, but you know, only this much, or if you do this much and make a slight difference, and so on, just praise our uh, idols or praise our so and so. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows his Jalal at this point, and he's speaking to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa So, where does that leave us, the most beloved to him, right, to such a degree that the 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 poet has said that you, the Prophet ﷺ, it is as if you have been created as you have wished. That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala loved him so much, but that shows Allah Subhanahu wa Taala there. Somebody contacted me recently uh, and I've had this, uh, I've heard this issue before as well that they're finding, they're having trouble reciting Abasa wa Tawalla because I remember I used to love reading the surah because it has a beautiful message, it has a wonderful lyrical uh, quality in it that really just comes into the, this really enters the heart very easily. However, it begins with a discussion about an incident in which the Prophet ﷺ had this really special meeting he was having with some of the leaders of the Quraysh with this view that maybe they will learn and they will understand and maybe they will con- uh, come to Islam and to the, uh, to the belief in Allah. That was his motivation. And as he's having this meeting with some of these leaders of the Quraysh, come, comes in one of the believers who's blind, Abdullah ibn, uh, ibn Umm Maktoum He comes in and the Prophet doesn't focus on him. Uh, because he's engrossed with these people and Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la reveals of us عَبَسَ وَتَوَلَّىٰ that the face frowned and turned away, that a blind person had come to him. How do you know that maybe he will find purification? Meaning, your discussion with, uh, with him would have been effective. So this is a bit of an admonition to the Prophet Wasallam in great love. Now, I remember I used to read it, and I think it was at that time when somebody said that, why did you read that? Because that uh, so-and-so, somebody, learned person, has said that you shouldn't read this because it's admonition of the Prophet Wasallam. And then recently one of my students, she contacted me and said that, I'm having trouble reading this surah. She was actually part of our Quran language style and structure and uh, Quran understanding and tafsir course. So I'm having trouble uh, reading this because it reminds me of the Prophet ﷺ being told off, essentially, in other words. So I'm finding that hard. So what comes to mind in that is look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the Prophet ﷺ more than any one of us can ever do so. And that's clear. He kept the surah there. Had it been something to have put the Prophet ﷺ down as such, it would never have continued. In fact, it's one of the signs that the Quran is true that the Prophet ﷺ did not write it. Otherwise, he would never have written something so, you know, that some people make a class as negative about himself. But it actually shows the truth of the revelation that is there and he uh, proclaimed it as it was. My understanding of this is that don't focus on the Prophet ﷺ because remember in any incident, pretty much in any incident, in many incidents, you can actually look at it in many different ways. So why look at it negatively? Why allow the shaitan to just put in your heart that hey, Allah is telling the Prophet ﷺ off and think of it like that in, its ne- in, in a kind of a negative sense and let that then stop you from reciting a part of the Qur'an. The, every part of the Qur'an is there and according to our Aqidah books, like Imam Abu Hanifa's al al-Akbar, it says that every word in the Quran and ayah in the Quran is equal in it being the word of Allah. Even if it's talking about Fir'aun, even if it's talking about the Shaytan and Iblis, even if it's quoting the words of Iblis. These are words of Iblis that have been related in the Quran. But in terms of the wording, it is all Quran. And that is equal in words, in in terms of being the word of Allah, that is equal to Allahu la ilaha illa wal hayyul qayyum and ayatul kursi. Or aman al rasoolu bima unzila ilayhi min rabbihi wal mu'minun. Or alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. However, in terms of contents, obviously there's a difference. Right? Obviously, in terms of contents, there's a difference. The power of the message of ayatul kursi because of the subject matter is clearly going to be different and superior to something that talks about the shaitan in the contents type. But they're all for our guidance. So nobody should have a problem with reciting anything, any part of the Qur'an, right? In a consistent kind of cohesive way. So what I said was simple. that Stop focusing on that part. Focus on the aspect of how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows so much compassion and teaches us in general through the Prophet of how to take care of people and not to ignore people, especially people who come with a talab and with sincerity. Immediately the other side of it uh, diminishes in our mind that no longer does that remain at the forefront, hey this is an admonition. Rather see it as a guidance, as a love for the weak, the disabled and suddenly you'll have no problem with that. There's a lot of things in the world, there's a negative way of looking at it and debilitating yourself, or there's a positive way of looking at something and basically strengthening yourself and doing what's right. So focus on the practical aspect of it, right? The message that's coming through, right? The admonition was a temporary idea that happened at the time and that was done and de- dealt with. The verses are there for a timeless message, which is that you need to focus on these people. That's why today uh, in, in one of our majlis, in one of our gatherings, there's a... a, 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 a a Mawlana who's actually blind, mashallah. and when he comes in, I I try to make sure that he is welcome, right? You have to go out of your way because uh, blind people need some support, generally speaking, right? They just don't have the eyes to be able to do what the rest of us can do. So that's why just out of deference for this verse, that's the focus of these things. So that was the we can go on about each one of these topics, to, to be honest, right? It's worth a book on, its own, on on each one of these topics. But that's the second theme of the Qur'an. The Prophet wasallam and his seerah. The third, uh, the third topic of the Qur'an, the main, as you go to read, you will see that it is the life stories and interactions and the missions of the other prophets. So besides the Prophet wasallam, the other prophets. So you, you speak about Adam salam. And thus his two sons You see because Nuh salam, and his mission His message and, and the ark And then the destruction of the people Including his own son Then you have Lut salam. You have Musa salam. You have numerous stories about Musa a.s. Yusuf salam, And the interaction that we can benefit from Because you see people are the same right? At the end of the day In terms of human beings In terms of having love, affection Or hatred In terms of ostentation, in terms of greed, in terms of miserliness, stinginess, generosity. Humans have been pretty much alike. The only difference between us and the people a hundred years ago, or a thousand years ago, or ten thousand years ago, the difference pretty much is just basically the gadgets that we deal with. We have a lot more gadgets. We have uh, some more sciences to understand things. But in terms of personal traits, we're all the same. People felt greed. People felt hatred. People felt anger and that's why you see that in the children of the first man adam alayhis salam habil and qabil you see anger in that story you see love in that story you see uh, you, you see uh, jealousy in that story you see remorse in that story and these are traits that humans have today that's not going to change nobody can say today humans have a new trait they've just developed a new trait that's been downloaded upgraded Right? A new chip has been inserted. That there's a new trait that was never found before. It's just, we're going to react to things differently. Allah has created all of us with a bit of each of these traits. And we have to moderate them. So the beauty is that when you read the stories of the prophets, you get an understanding of how the wealthy and the influential class reacted to the message of the prophets in their time. And you see the same thing happening today. They felt like the religion was a club for the poor and the downtrodden and thus you see the followers of i think it's Nuhari Salam. he says uh, <speaking in Hebrew> should we believe in you when it's the lowly class the downtrodden class that has followed you like it's not for us it's for a different group of people so this is a message for the the wealthy and the influential that don't be misguided don't be deluded don't be overly confident and comfortable in what Allah has given you of the riches of this world so that you ignore the truth and you ignore the original purpose of this life and where you're going to go to. It then talks to the poor and the needy and the oppressed and the subjugated that your end is going to be good because Right? right? The, the goodly end is going to be for, for people who have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you've got a way out. Even though you have no physical way out. So there's huge interactions you see about that in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has uh, between the Prophets and their people, and numerous other incidents related to that that we can we can benefit from. But as you read so as you read the Quran, you will start seeing these themes. You'll be able to categorize you'll be able to understand, okay, this is from this perspective and this is the benefit of that. So that's three themes So we have so far, which is basically the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa then the other prophets. Then you move on to the akhirah. That's another major theme in the Quran, all related to the akhirah because that is what we are here for. This world is a temporary world in preparation for the hereafter. And Allah wants to drive that message home because this Qur'an is a manual for our life and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our creator. He did not leave us without a manual. He did not send a product without the manual. Unfortunately, we just ignore. Whenever we get a washing machine or whatever, we start using it. I remember once I got a washing machine and we've had a few washing machines before. This was a, you know, the other one had broken. We got the new one and um, we took off all of the packaging and there's a few other bolts and screws and we took that off. There were some other things at the back which I didn't really bother with and I didn't really... In fact, I had somebody with me who does plumbing all the time and uh, he didn't even realize this. And we we fixed the machine and it started working. But every now and then it would make a banging sound. Like the drum was banging onto something. So what happened is uh, then we read the book, the manual. And we found that at the back there are these... Uh, th- th- there are these holding screws that hold the drum together so while we've taken out the screws I think the, the, there's a plastic piece, four plastic pieces if I remember correctly that had not been taken out about. and they had to be removed according to the manual but we thought uh, there, there's a hole behind it so there's no re- reason to take them out but that is what the drum was banging against now this shows that if you don't read manuals correctly you sometimes run into trouble even though you think you're experienced we think we're experienced with life, so we don't think we need to know. So, after whatever we've studied when we're young, when our parents sent us to uh, a madrasa, maktab, or a teacher to study our deen, after that, we've at that time we were immature, so we didn't really even have control of how, how much we were learning, or it wasn't a guided study uh, of us, it was a guided study of somebody uh, of, of the ulama who told us what to study. And, then after that we may have developed interest in certain things or we may have developed problems with certain things but we then haven't done a strategic study of those issues somebody's having a problem with uh, weakness in some areas or uh, over-desire in certain areas or anger issues they've never gone back to the Quran and Sunnah to look for answers they've just tried to deal with the bit of working knowledge that they've had so the fourth theme is the hereafter which is very powerful Now when you look at this fourth theme, there is just so much in there. And it talks about paradise, it talks about hellfire, it talks about the good people, it talks about their... For example, you look at Suratul Waqi'ah and in there you're going you're going to have this huge discussion about what this group of uh, righteous people are going to get. As sabiqoon, as sabiqoon, uh-huh. al-muqarraboon fi naim ala surrim Mutaqabilin, Yatufu Alayhim, and so on and so forth. Then you look in Suratul Insan; uh, it's the same thing. This big discussion of, uh, of paradise and uh, and so on and so forth. Every time, and then of course there are the discussions of hellfire, depiction of hellfire, the, the ending of bad people, the ending of bad actions, the ظلم, those people who oppress what they end up as, the people who are the losers, so all of that drives the point home for us that we don't want to be like that. We want to be the the good people. We want to be the people with taqwa. In the Right. We don't want to be like the munafiqeen who will say that ذَرُونَ نَقْتَبِسْ مِنْ and then the believers will say قِيلَ وَرَاءَكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ So there's a huge interaction that it can't. It can't not affect us. That's the hero. But one thing that you will see when you start reading the Quran, right? one thing you will definitely see when you start reading the Quran, that any time there's a discussion of hellfire or condemnation or the punishment, it is never just that. There will always be Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala showing a way out. Right? There is always a place where Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala will show a way out. And you say, but Allah is forgiving but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless those who seek forgiveness in the ladina uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, those people who uh, who done wrong uh, and then after that they've made tawbah. then for them is this and so on and so forth. there's just numerous verses like that it always gives you a, a, a way out there's never a place where he mentions hellfire or anything like that and just makes it just pure condemnation and you you'll start seeing this so that may, that helps then the fifth theme of the Qur'an is basically the masail and the fiqh The the ahkam and the laws So you have for example Aqeemus salah and atu zakah La taqrabu zina La taqrabu maal al-yateem Don't go close to the wealth of the orphans Illa billatihi ahsan Tells you how to do certain things And Wais'alunaka uh, عن المهيّد قل هو أذن فاعتزل النساء في المحيد. right؟ and uh, about fasting for example، وكلوا وشربوا حتى يتبيّن لكم الخيط الأبيض من الخيط الأسود من الفجر، ثم أتم, أتم الصيام إلى الليل، ولا تباشرواهن في المساجل about so there's numerous laws in the Quran. وبالوالدين إحسانا يُصِيَكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أُوْلَادِكُمْ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ telling you the inheritance laws in detail. وَلَكُمْ مَا تَرَكَ so يَسْأَلُونَكَ مَاذَا أُحِلَّ لَهُمْ كُلُّ about foods and so on. وَالْمُحْصَنَاتُ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ إِلَّا مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانٌ who you can marry. الطَّلَاقُ مَرَّتَانِ about divorce. amazing and the way it uh, contextualizes example. The chapter in the Qur'an, which uh, not, not, not every verse is a, is a verse about hukum and law and commands. Only some are, like, you know, of, of in the entire Qur'an. But that's a major theme of the Qur'an. And if you look, there's a surah called Surah Al-Talaq. And in Surah Al-Talaq, the laws of divorce are mentioned. Although uh, an uh, equal number, if not more, laws of divorce are actually mentioned in Surah Al-Baqarah. And here, it's more about Iddah and so on, about the waiting period. But along with those verses of talaq and idda, one of the biggest themes in that surah is taqwa. And what I find most amazing is that when you get married, the, the sunnah khutbah to recite is the khutbah of, uh, uh, related to the verses of taqwa. Three verses of taqwa. And also when there's a divorce issue, woman the, the, اللَّهِ حَيْثُ لَا اللَّهِ Numerous verses of taqwa there along with divorce and iddah. If, you, if any woman who's divorced, we get so many women who get divorced and they become depressed. If they were to read this surah of the Qur'an, there's so much in there to give them strength and to help them move on. This is what we're missing. Essentially, this is really, can you imagine the Qur'an is our manual and the majority of us don't have access to it. We're not saying go and force yourself to learn Arabic. If you could, that's wonderful. You'll appreciate The Quran in its original language and lyric And that would be even better But at least Start interacting with the Quran To make it part of our life That's the fifth theme And the last theme I mean in this broad idea of themes Of course there are many other ideas in the Quran But most of them If not all of them Can actually be brought down to these six themes So the last theme then Is akhlaq and character How do you basically round it all off? How do you interact with these various things? And interact with one another? What is the Allah, what are the akhlak of Allah that He wants us to engage and imbibe within one of our, uh, ourselves, imbibe within ourselves? So that's where you see a huge amount of understanding of uh, how we need to. Wa uh, salama. That when the ignorant confront them, they basically deal with it beautifully. They deal with it with soundness, where they don't get drawn into a useless engagement and argument. That's just a simple idea of the Qur'an telling us the akhlaq that we need to have. Then it tells us the akhlaq of the prophets and how they dealt with people. Right? And other great people, for example, the, uh, like in Surah Yasin, the messengers that were sent. Then the people who... Then the... Uh, يكتب imanahu, أتقتلون رجلا أن يقول رب الله and his mission so numerous akhlaqi character points conduct points of how a believer should what a believer should embody praising the prophet for his high character وإنك لعل خلوق عظيم and uh, uh, Allah سبحانه uh, talks about the prophet being on the highest paradigm right and, and, and so on and so forth. So those are the six themes of the Qur'an and inshallah, if you just start recite, reading even the smaller surahs you'll start being able to put this into these themes. So again the themes are Allah, His Messenger Allah the Prophets and their interactions, their mission. Number four was the hereafter, everything related to Paradise, Hellfire and, and so on and so forth, uh, God's pleasure and so on. Number five were the Ahkam and the rulings, and the Islamic law essentially and number six is going back to akhlaq and character and how to change oneself in that regard it's an absolute complete regimen for a perfect human being a perfect human being is a perfect mu'min that's essentially what it is a perfect human being is a perfect mu'min and the Quran has all the food and guidance in there for thought for us we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to Allow us to benefit from this and make the Quran part of it, and allow it to benefit us and inspire us and remove our troubles and difficulties, and make it the make it basically the light of our eyes, as the Hadith, as the dua of the Prophet says, that it, Allah make it the nura <laughs> Absarina uh, uh, and Zihab uh, Humumina, make it the removal of our sadnesses and our concerns from our heart, and again. Don't let it be, don't make it think that it's too big of a task. I've never seen others, I've never, see, I've never looked at the Qur'an like that. Grab a copy of the Qur'an, right? And there's some good translations out there, right? Uh, Professor Abdul Halim's is good, Mufti Taqi's, uh, Uthmani's one is decent. There's a number of others as well. Uh, grab a translation, grab a commentary like the Ma'ariful Al-Quran, tafsir Uthmani or others, and start reading, even if it's just a bit, and... You will be, insha'Allah, you will be enlightened. So uh, we ask Allah for tawfiq wa akhiri da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.